Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Scott Schaefer in for Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, a major change in policy from Pope Francis, who announced Monday that priests will be allowed to bless the unions of same-sex couples. It's seen as an important step toward a more inclusive approach to LGBTQ church members, but there are some qualifications. The blessing is not the same as a marriage sacrament, and the Vatican said the blessing should not be connected to a civil union or marriage-like ceremony. Still, it's being cheered by more liberal members of the church as a step in the right direction, even as the conservative archbishop in San Francisco signals he doesn't like it. The Vatican's new approach to same-sex unions and reaction to it, next, after this news. This is Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer, in for Mina Kim. And this hour, we're going to dig into what seems like a major shift from the Catholic Church. You know, for years, Pope Francis has signaled his desire to make the Church less rigid and more welcoming to those who feel excluded But opposition from more conservative cardinals and bishops stymied those changes. But yesterday, we got some concrete evidence of the Pope's more welcoming vision being applied to the LGBTQ community. The Vatican announced that the Pope was allowing priests to bless same-sex couples. Now, it's not the same, uh, at all the same, really, as performing a wedding ceremony. The Church made clear this does not constitute a change in Church doctrine, which says marriage is limited to one man and one woman. Still, many liberal Catholics see this as a major step in the right direction. And we're going to explore the Vatican's ruling with our guests. And let me begin with Phil Pulella. He is Vatican correspondent for Reuters, and he joins us from Rome, Italy. Phil, welcome. Hi, good to be with you. Let me begin just by setting the table here. What exactly does this new rule allow and not allow? Okay, so these are essentially guidelines. The guidelines allow for a priest to bless bless a same-sex couple, uh, but not within a church atmosphere. So specifically, it says it cannot be connected to a a liturgical rite, such as a mass or a confirmation, a baptism, anything like that. Uh, It has to be outside of, of that. Uh, it also should not be in any way resemble or, signifi- or, or signify a marriage ceremony. So the couple should not wear what some people wear when they get married, such as uh, a, a tuxedo, a, a, a gown, or, or what have you. That it should be separate from all that. And they suggested so a visit to a shrine, a place that is uh, um, that, that that is 
is has has importance for both the, for both members of the couple, etc. So these are the guidelines. It's a huge, huge step because many people have been asking for this. It has been uh, an incredible controversy within the German Church uh, that wanted more. But this is this is actually a very, very big deal. Yeah, and it was issued in a what's called, I guess, a declaration, which is somewhat rare and, and I guess, an important Vatican document. Can you say more about that, the way this was issued and what what form it took? Yes, it was called a declaration. Essentially, there's various forms of Vatican documents. The Obviously, the, the highest one is an encyclical, which is a papal encyclical. It's the highest form of papal writing. This was a declaration, so basically it's flat out, this is the way it is. Uh, what normally happens is that bishops, usually around the world, have a question that, uh, which is called a dubia, a doubt, about church doctrine, how it should be applied, rather. And they write to the doctrinal department, which is now called the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. Uh, it was once the Inquisition, but, and then it was also the Holy Office, etc., and say, uh, I'm not sure about this. Can I do this? Can I bless a couple, a same-sex couple who have been together for a long time, who have, have uh, who obviously are committed in a very committed relationship? Can I do this? Uh, or any other point of dogma. And the doctrinal office responds to this dubia. This takes it a step further in the sense that it is a declaration saying this is how it can be done, the guidelines. So it's just saying, don't ask us any more questions because we are telling you what the guidelines are. <laughs> don't bother me again. So we've moved from the Inquisition to blessing same-sex couples. That's quite a, quite a, a, a path there. Uh, now, you yeah. said that this allows a priest to do this. It doesn't require a priest no. to do it. No. And so who is enforcing this and what happens if a, a priest declines? Well, the priest can decline. Uh, this is the whole thing, is that basically there is no obligation. If a same-sex couple uh, gets rejected, so to speak, they can go to another priest who is is more LGBTQ-friendly. Uh, and they're not difficult to find in places like the United States. They might be difficult to find in some countries, particularly Africa, for example, in Africa. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't oblige uh, the priest to do it. It doesn't uh, it also uh, use uh, uh, tells the priest to use pastoral guidance. Are these people really in a committed relationship? Is this just kind of, you know, something that, the, you know, is just, you know, uh, just come, you know, want to do this for the sake of doing it. Um, and, and that kind of thing there. So there is no obligation. And on the other hand, it stresses that the couple who are receiving the blessing have to know that it does not legitimize anything that the church uh, does not approve of, that is um, uh, homosexual sex. Because uh, the church teaches that homosexual, uh, that, that same-sex attraction is not a sin, but homosexual acts are. So this is where we stand now. Uh, this has been really divisive point, so it's really hard to overestimate how important this is to LGTB Catholics. What message then do you think the Pope is sending? The message is one of mercy and one of, of imperfection in the sense that uh, nobody is perfect, nobody is a saint. Well, there are obviously some saints, there have been some saints on earth, etc. But most people are frail, they're Catholics, I'm sorry, they are sinners. They want to be closer to God, etc. His whole uh, policy has been that God is God's love is open to anyone, but particularly to sinners. And he uses out, you know, 
examples of Christ that 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 Jesus, uh, uh, you know, hang out, hung out with prostitutes and tax collectors and and all kinds of people who were shunned uh, in his day. Uh, and this is what the church should be doing. That you, you're not. It's I forget the specific language in the Declaration of Yesterday, but but it, it, you shouldn't. Your your moral should not be put under a microscope to receive God blessings because if you're already perfect then uh, you know why are you asking for a blessing kind of I'm, I'm simplifying but this is his whole thing and, and he has also um, allowed um, uh, transsexuals uh, transgender people to serve as uh, witnesses as test uh, sorry, sorry as testimonies at, at marriages and a couple of things like that a few months ago so it's been going in this direction for some time. Uh, in October, uh, a, a group of conservative cardinals led by uh, American Cardinal Raymond Bur Burke uh, sent the doctrinal department a dubious uh, question, specifically asking to clarify this. The response came back, but they weren't satisfied with it uh, and the, uh, the, because they wanted a yes or no answer, which is really a very trick question. I mean, and mm. then they came, the, the, the Vatican came back with a, with a nuanced answer that was sort of hinting that this was in the works mm. and it was obviously in the works and yesterday was published. Yeah. You mentioned Cardinal Burke uh, from the U S mm -hmm. and, and the Pope recently mm -hmm. stripped him of his perks, uh, including, I think a free apartment at the Vatican. He has been known as a fierce critic. Something similar, yes. uh, happened yeah. to Bishop Joseph Strickland from Tyler, Texas. Yeah. Who is a, a leading yeah. vaccine skeptic? Right. What does this right. signal? I mean, the Pope is eighty-seven years old. Uh, he right. he must be, you know, looking at the final right. years of his papacy. Uh, what does it signal now about this time? What is the timing here? Well, the timing the timing is more is is less connected with his age, eighty-seven uh, on Sunday, as you said, because his health is still relatively good. Uh, people can live very long these days, as you know. It's more time to the death of his predecessor about a year ago on. December 31st of last year of, of Pope Benedict the uh, the 16th. Now, he had been living in the Vatican as an ex-pope for nearly 10 years, uh, and he was a go-to person for the conservatives in, in, in the church. And until, as long as he was alive, it was kind of difficult for the pope to slap wrists here and there because it was just, you know, he didn't want to sort of, you know, uh, upset the uh, his predecessor for a number of reasons. So he's really uh, taken off the gloves, if you want, uh, in the past uh, year or so with Bishop Strickland and with uh, with Cardinal Burke. Uh, they decided, I mean, many people in the Vatican that uh, thought that Bishop Strickland had really, really gone over the top with, uh, you know, supporting people who said that all Democrats are going to go to hell and things like that. Um, and so, you know, they, they finally, uh, gave him a chance to retire. He said no. And so he was fired. Uh, uh Cardinal Burke, I don't think anybody should shed any tears. Uh, Cardinal Burke, uh, basically does not have a job in the Vatican. He had a subsidized apartment, um, and, and a couple of other perks, et cetera, but he hardly, he's hardly ever here. And when he is here, he doesn't go to, uh, to papal events. Uh, he's usually in Wisconsin in the States. Uh, the apartment is, for the most part, empty. Um, so obviously, and it's a very large apartment. 
so obviously, you know, his supporters will be, will be crying foul, but it's not like he's out on the street or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, he's got a lot of places to stay in the States. You said this is a big deal for uh, gay and lesbian Catholics. Uh, but, mm-hmm. so, you know, it could easily be seen as sort of a kind of second-class citizenship as well. I mean, do uh, do LGBTQ, and we hope to hear from some of our listeners who are who are gay Catholic, gay and Catholic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do, mm-hmm. do they see this as a first step or like as good as they could expect, given the church? Well, I think for the time being, it's as good as they expect. I mean, no one knows what's going to happen in the future. Um, you must remember that the, the Catholic Church is, you know, the largest uh, religion uh, in, in, in the world, 1.3 billion uh, members, and it's very, very diverse. I mean, in Africa, this has been received very, very negatively. Uh, and in countries where um, being homosexual is a crime, that you can go to jail, et cetera, et cetera, which the Pope has condemned as well. Um, so it's a big church, and and uh, I think Francis wants to hold it together, um, and as as best he can, um, doesn't want to have a schism, which would be disastrous uh, for everybody. Um, and so, if you don't go slowly, then uh, you could. Uh, there's a fear that it will go the way of the Anglican Church. The Anglican Church split up over. Um, over homosexual marriage, over gay priests, et cetera, et cetera, uh, where, you know, some churches in Anglican churches uh, in uh, Africa, for example, threatened with uh, leaving the Anglican communion. Um, So the the Catholic Church in particular moves very, very slowly. Uh, And this is not, uh, this is actually for something that was just sort of uh, painted at in October and then put on an eight pages of black and white. Uh, that's a pretty much uh, lightning speed for the for the Catholic Church. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Phil Pulella from uh, from Rome this morning, Vatican correspondent for Reuters. Uh, appreciate your joining us. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Pleasure. We're going to continue this conversation for the rest of the hour. We'll be joined by a couple of other guests, and we really would love to hear from you. You can email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org or find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. Or if you'd like, give us a call right now at 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. A big Rule change from the Vatican regarding the blessing of same-sex couples. That's our our topic this hour. We'd love to have you join us. I'm Scott Schaefer, here for Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
And welcome back to Forum. Scott Schaefer here this hour for Mina Kim. We're talking about yesterday's news from the Vatican that priests may now bless same-sex couples and what it means, reaction to it. We'd love to hear from you. What was your reaction to yesterday's news? Has your view of the church changed at all since Pope Francis began his leadership of the church 10 years ago? And are you an LGBTQ Catholic or former Catholic? How did this announcement make you feel? Would you pursue a blessing? Have you tried it already? Uh, to uh, reach out to your priest. Email us, if you'd like, at forum at kqed.org. You can also find us on social media at KQED Forum, or give us a call right now, 866-733-6786. Joining us now, two other guests. Harriet Ryan is an investigative reporter with the Los Angeles Times. Her recent article is titled, The Fight to Move the Catholic Church in America to the Right and the Little-Known Orange County Lawyer Behind It. Harriet Ryan, welcome. Great to be here. And also joining us, Michael O'Loughlin. He is national correspondent and associate editor for the Jesuit Review uh, and also has covered the the Catholic Church for both the Boston Globe uh, and has a a book called Hidden Mercy, Mercy, Hidden Mercy, AIDS, Catholics, and the Untold Stories of Compassion in the Face of Fear. Michael O'Loughlin, welcome. Thanks, Scott. Well, um, let me uh, begin. Harriet, your, your article, which I think uh, published yesterday about this particular lawyer in Orange County who is really very much aligned with uh, the Republican Party and uh, Donald Trump. Tell us about him and his role in the larger uh, sort of opposition, if you will, to the, to the pope and what he's been trying to do in terms of moving the church in a different direction. Sure. His name is Tim Bush. He is an attorney and he is a hospitality executive. He owns a a company that runs upscale um, resorts in California and and other places. And he's a very devout Catholic. um, And he has an organization called the Napa Institute, which is based in Irvine, Orange County. uh, And they are trying to rally conservatives uh, to keep the church or push the church in a more orthodox direction. And one of the sort of main points for them or something that they speak about a lot is about the the church's approach to gay people. And specifically, um, they have had a lot of concerns about Pope Francis's attitude and approach toward gay Catholics. And so I imagine what occurred yesterday was another troubling milepost for them. And uh, in your piece, you quote Tim Bush uh, saying, this woke ideology won't last. Uh, What did he mean by that, do you think? You know, he is a very devout Catholic and he's a very devoted Republican uh, of the Trump era. And he sort of sees these things as going together. So to listen to Tim Bush speak at a Catholic event, which he does frequently, it's a very dizzying experience because on one hand, he will be recommending um, spiritual practices that any Catholic could use to deepen their faith. You know, he goes to daily mass. He is at confession, uh, I think, once a week. He spends an hour with the Eucharist. He prays before a big um, business meetings, um, just a rosary every day. Lots of things that I think a lot of uh, traditional Catholics can really relate to and see the value in. And then in the next sentence, he will just pivot to what I think of sort of like MAGA talking points. And one of them is just an obsession with woke ideology destroying America, um, being upset with, you know, you name it, Black Lives Matter, the 1619 Project, um, AOC, socialism among like the hipster youth. So he really has put this idea of devout Catholicism, kind of traditional practices, with 
you know, Trump culture war um, concerns. And, and also there's an element of libertarian, you know, free market um, approach to the economy. And these are kind of like the pillars of how he sees both the country and his church. Michael O'Loughlin, um, there is, of course, a lot of opposition, more conservative elements to the church here in the U.S. as well as in Africa and other parts of the world. How do you see this new rule and the potential blessing of uh, same-sex couples? How do you see it leading to a confrontation or differences in implementation or even outright hostility to it in places like San Francisco, ironically, where the archbishop issued a statement that was far from embracing of this change? Yeah, I've been collecting reaction this morning, and there is a wide range reaction. Uh, in Chicago, the Cardinal Archbishop there, Blaise Supich, released a statement saying that he welcomed the rule and that in the archdiocese, priests there would be participating in the blessings. Uh, in places like San Francisco, like you mentioned, a far less enthusiastic reaction, some caution around that. I've seen a number of priests say that they won't give these kinds of blessings, but I already know some priests who have. So I think it shows the polarized nature of kind of everything in the church. Uh, especially around uh, pronouncements from Pope Francis, it's continuing with this. And when it comes to implementation, an interesting part of this uh, declaration is that it leaves it up to individual priests. So I could see a scenario in another uh, situation where a bishop might say, no, my priests aren't allowed to do this. But in this case, priests will be free to offer these kinds of blessings. So I think it will be varied from diocese to diocese, uh, whether a certain number of priests are willing to do this. But as Phil said earlier, I. I think in the United States, people will uh, more or less be able to find a priest who is willing to do a blessing like this. You know, I've wondered why the Pope uh, keeps archbishops in liberal cities like San Francisco and Los Angeles who are so opposed to his the direction he's trying to take the church and certainly opposed to what he did yesterday. Any thoughts about that, Michael, as to why he doesn't move people around to put them in uh, places that might be more compatible with their personal philosophy and theology? Yeah, I think the Pope inherits sort of this huge bureaucracy when he's elected, and it's not easy to sort of put in your own people, especially when you have young, healthy bishops, um, like the Archbishop of San Francisco, for example, who are administering a diocese. It's pretty difficult in some ways to just uh, remove someone because of an ideology. Uh, it certainly happens from time to time. We've seen that with previous popes as well. But generally, I think Francis is committed to keeping this global communion together. And that includes the United States, which on the global scale tends to be more conservative than uh, some other countries. But I don't think the pope is an ideologue. I don't think he sees it as an impossible task to work with bishops who might be more conservative than him. Uh, and when it comes to promotions and who's in the pope's inner circle, I think he certainly has relied on people who share his view for the church, who want to see a more welcoming and progressive church. But I, I don't see him as someone who simply removes people because of an ideological difference. I mean, it took him 10 years to take some action against Cardinal Burke, we were talking about earlier, uh, and even that was relatively mild. So I think the Pope is committed to finding a way forward together, even with people who hold different views. I want to read the, the statement from Archbishop Corleone here in San Francisco. He wrote yesterday, uh, I encourage those who have questions to read the Vatican Declaration closely and in continuity with the Church's unchanging teaching. Doing so will enable one to understand how it encourages pastoral solicitude while maintaining fidelity to the Lord Jesus Christ. Harriet, what do you make of a statement like that? And has the Archbishop in Los Angeles issued a statement as well? 
you know, I think he's directing people to read the the declaration because it is an extremely long and nuanced document. And I think that you can read that and say, wow, not very much has changed at all. Um, if you're Catholic, you've probably seen um, parishioners go up to the priest at the end of the mass and just say, like, can you, you know, bless, I'm having a problem. Can you bless me? Or, or even like, you know, people bringing statues or whatever. And the priest doesn't sit there and say, like, well, tell me about your sex life. They just do the blessing. Um, and I think that in one way, there's to look at the the declaration is just like, well, it's just saying, like, if people ask for a blessing, bless them. It's a spontaneous, you know, event. You don't need to, to get up in their business about it. But the way that it was rolled out by the Vatican, um, saying like this is a major change, I think is the real message rather than what it is practically, which is that priests bless sinful people all day long. Um, and so for the Archbishop in San Francisco's perspective, he's going to say like, well, nothing has really changed. Don't overreact to this. Yeah. All right. I want to bring our listeners into this. Give us a call at 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. And let's start in San Francisco. And Mike, welcome to Forum. Hi, everyone. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm a Catholic living in San Francisco. I am straight. Um, I am also thrilled by this news because I've gotten disillusioned uh, with several of the church happenings over the last uh, over the last several years. And I really struggle for years. I've been struggling to understand where the anti LGBTQ stance came from in the church. Of course, when you're little and you go to, um, you know, catechism or CCD, as we called it, you know, they teach you what's right and wrong. And then as I got older, I'm trying to wrap my head around the fact that people are interpreting um, scripture that was written several hundred years after Jesus was alive in different cities around Europe who never met Jesus. And so I really, I really struggled to see where this absolute we know what's right. Um, we know what's right. Uh, stance comes from, and it to me it just runs so counter to what the theme of the church is all about. And yeah. uh, this might actually get me back to mass this weekend. I walked out during Pride Weekend when my uh, pastor refused to acknowledge uh, the LGBT community, and you know maybe I'll get back for Christmas now. All right, Mike, thanks very much for the call. Uh, Michael O'Loughlin, what are your thoughts about that? What is the source of this, you know, extreme homophobia in the church? I mean, I'll just, I've met more than a few gay priests over the years and former gay priests. I mean, there are gay people in the church, um, and I'm sure it is incredibly difficult for them. Uh, But I'm just wondering, like, what is that culture of the church? What is it that makes this so threatening and so anathema to the church? I think what makes uh, homosexuality so threatening to the church uh, requires a a longer time than we have today. (laughs) And theologians who sort of understand the church's history and its reliance on uh, the culture in which it developed. I will say there is a sense in, I think, Francis's papacy that, yes, there is this teaching on human sexuality uh, that the church holds that is very traditional, but there's room for embracing people who maybe don't fit in that mold. So I think what Francis is doing is he's acknowledging the reality that there have been gay and lesbian Catholics in the church since the earliest days. Uh, In more recent times, they've been uh, married and some have been asking priests for blessing. And now the church is acknowledging that reality. I, I think it's 
provoking something of a backlash. Unfortunately, we're seeing uh, some homophobic statements from uh, some priests and even some bishops here in the United States. So I, I think as the Pope wants to move forward on this question, you're unfortunately seeing that other side feel um, emboldened to respond with homophobia. So I, I think it's a good thing that the church is uh, offering these blessings. At the same time, I think the LGBT Catholic community has to be prepared for the blowback that will come from priests and bishops who are opposed to this. All right, Mike, thanks very much for the call. Uh, again, the number, if you want to join us, is 866-733-6786. Tracy writes, as a disillusioned Catholic and parent of a gay son, I'm thrilled and encouraged by the Vatican's announcement. While there is still progress to be made, this is huge. And Matt writes, I was raised Catholic and spent 30 years of my life in the church before I realized that I did not want to belong to a church that considered me an evil or mortal sinning person because of who I am as a person. My husband and I both left the church 10 years ago and joined a local Methodist church, which treats us as equals. While I'm uh, glad to see that the Catholic Church is trying to reach out to their LGBTQ plus members, this is really treating them as second-class citizens. I don't see the church ever changing and would never go back. Um, and uh, Michael uh, O'Loughlin, you know, as we've heard, uh, you know, there's a mention there of the Methodist Church. I mean, there have been uh, schisms in other churches uh, over this very issue. And, you know, we heard earlier uh, Phil Pulella saying that the Pope Francis hopes to keep the church together. I mean, is, is there a real risk of a schism here? Some people seem to think so. I, I've talked to some theologians who say that they worry that the churches in Germany and Belgium, which have really moved ahead with not only blessing same-sex couples, but blessing same-sex unions, are so far ahead of where churches in the United States and some countries in Africa are, that there does seem to be uh, this growing gap uh, that might be untenable for a global institution. I think what the Pope is doing here is trying to offer some guidance that might satisfy Catholics who want to see the church bless same-sex unions and Catholics who are really intent on upholding traditional teaching. Uh, there, There is a sense, I wonder if this is sort of a way for the church to see how far it can go in embracing LGBT Catholics. Is this sort of a, a test to see if it might lead to uh, a fuller embrace of same-sex unions? Maybe priests will be allowed to bless um, those unions someday. But I, I do wonder um, if the Pope will be able to convince Catholics who are opposed to embracing uh, its LGBT members, if it can kind of offer them a way to find common ground on something else. If maybe this issue, this particular issue, isn't as big a deal as it's being uh, made out to be in some circles, and maybe there's an opportunity to focus elsewhere for unity. But I, I do think there's a risk of uh, intense disagreement, but I, I, I hope anyway that it doesn't lead to schism uh, because the Pope is uh, trying so hard to keep the communion together. All right, let's go back to the phones. Again, the number, if you want to join us, 866-733-6786, We'd love to get your reaction to this news and wonder, has your view of the church changed at all since Pope Francis began his leadership a decade ago? Uh, and if you're an LGBTQ Catholic, we'd in particular love to hear from you, so give us a ring. And let's go back to the phones now. Rob in San Francisco, welcome. Thank you. Um, I'm not Catholic, but my wife is. She was raised uh, in an Irish Catholic family here in San Francisco. And one thing that she always wondered about was, would they ever allow priests to, re, you know, to marry? Because they were at one time and thought that this could really help priests to understand people in general. Um, and also it might, 
you know, alleviate some of the problems that they've had with the sexual predator priests in the in the church. Hmm. Uh, well, uh, Harriet Ryan, I'm sure that the the folks you've been covering, uh, such as uh, Tim Bush, uh, would be very much opposed to that. Uh, like, but I'm wondering what, what what else, other than LGBTQ issues, what do you hear? Uh, from the more conservative elements of the church about, uh, you know, fears uh, of other changes that this pope uh, or a future pope might make, fundamental changes? Well, as Rob mentioned, I mean, there's long been talk about should women be allowed to become priests, and clearly the conservatives in the U.S. are very opposed to any kind of change in, in the who's ordained. But at the Vatican Synod in October, there was some discussion of the topic, but I think there was more discussion of the idea of having women in the role of deacons in the church and as pastors, like an administrative role. Um, And I think that there was more enthusiasm for that um, than for opening the priesthood to women. Um, I think when you think about what do like these very right-leaning American Catholics want, just think about the church in the 1950s. Um, that's what they want. And that was a time when um, Catholicism was incredibly respected in the United States and in, in many cities and many places. And um, archbishops and, and priests had the respect um, and the esteem of their communities. And there was sort of like a, a good citizen uh, element of, of um, the practice then. And, you know, country has become a lot more secular. And I think that Anything that looks different from how the church looked then is scary to the very conservative American. Michael, quickly, we're coming up on a break, but there are some priests who are allowed to be married, right? They were sort of grandfathered in when they joined the church uh, in other parts of the world. Is that right? Yeah, uh, there's uh, married priests here in the United States. If uh, there's certain provisions set up that if you're already ordained a priest in certain Christian traditions and want to become Catholic and you happen to be married, uh, you can go through a process and become a Roman Catholic priest here uh, and certainly stay married. The church doesn't want people leaving their spouses and families. <laughs> uh, ten- they tend to be away from parish ministry and in uh, more administrative jobs. But there there are some, so there is, yeah. there is a path. All right. Uh, Michael O'Loughlin and Harriet Ryan, we're going to stay with us for the rest of the hour, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org or find us on all the social media channels. We're at KQED Forum. Or give us a call, 866-733-6786. Again, it's 866-733-6786. Talking about a rule change. Big deal. From Rome yesterday, the Pope allowing priests to bless the unions of same-sex couples. I'm Scott Schaefer here for Mina Kim. We'll be right back. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. And welcome back to Forum. Scott Schaefer here for Mina Kim. We're talking about yesterday's news from the Vatican that priests may now bless same-sex couples. Michael O'Loughlin, the national correspondent and associate editor for America the Jesuit Review, is with us. And Harriet Ryan, investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. If you'd like to join us, the number is 866-733-6786. And we're going to go now to San Jose and Carla. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Hi, I'm Reverend Carla. I'm an ordained Protestant minister, and I can tell you that many of the people that come to our church to be married are LGBTQ folks, so they are, and many of them have left the Catholic Church at least temporarily in order to be married and to have that that wonderful ritual and I guess the Catholics call it sacrament of marriage, which is just so important to people. And the other thing I wanted to say was I agree with Michael, the previous caller. There is nothing in the Bible where Jesus says there's anything against homosexual or LGBTQ marriage of any kind. So this is a tradition of the Church. It is not theologically grounded. That's all I wanted to say, and God bless them for this move. All right, Carla, thanks very much for the call. Um, Michael O'Loughlin, do you think that this move might, you know, kind of encourage a rethinking of the Church for those who have left or are thinking of leaving? It's unclear. Uh, The Pope has made several gestures of welcome toward the LGBT community, and I know many uh, gay Catholics had hoped that those gestures would lead to change, and some of that change has arrived today. Uh, I don't know if it will lead to people coming back. Uh, And I often say that uh, if the church does decide to embrace its LGBT members, it should do so because it's the right thing to do, that it follows the gospel, not because it's going to lead to a resurgence of people coming back to the pews. Because when we look at some uh, mainline Protestant traditions that are fully uh, affirming and embracing of LGBT people, uh, they're also struggling with attendance. So I don't, I don't think that changes like this will necessarily bring people back. I think what it will do, though, is show that the church is a welcoming space for LGBT Catholics and their families, uh, which I think is a good thing. That's a message the Pope's certainly been trying to send. But in terms of attendance, I don't know that it will have much of an impact uh, because there's uh, bigger forces at work when it comes to secularization and, and belief among the general population. Here's a comment from Adam, uh, who writes, The Catholic Church is better known by many for its homophobia, transphobia, and sexism than what it wants to be known for, such as its charitable good works. We can applaud a step forward in the church while still demanding full equality for the LGBTQ community. All right, we're going to go back to the phones now, and we're going to go up to Sacramento. Uh, Irene, welcome. Thank you. I want to tell you first that I have never met a gay uh, or, you know, LGBTQ plus person until I came to the United States. I studied nursing in Mexico. I'm Jewish. And the school that I went to was run by nuns, when, with, which was one of the more most modern group. At that time, I met two Jesuit priests, which were as amazing as the nuns. And I found them to be extremely warm and open-minded and 
incredibly intelligent. Later, I moved to the United States. And as I said, I had never met a gay person in my life. And I worked at the San Diego AIDS Project, where for the first time, not only was I dealing with the HIV epidemic, but also all my colleagues, like 98%, were, you know, LGBTQ. And if you gave me the choice of where do I want to work with heterosexual or LGBTQ people, I would choose a second. Nicest, open, warm, helpful. And uh, I feel that I'm very lucky for having met them and for accepting me whether I was Jewish and Mexican, because a lot of people don't like Jewish and Mexican either. <laughs> and um, I'm glad that the uh, minister that called you before uh, said what she said, because uh, I think that the, the problem with a lot of people who don't accept this group of people is that they feel like maybe I failed the first time that I saw two men kissing. I go, oh, my God, what the heck is going on here? But once I met them and learned to work with them, it is amazing the, how how helpful and and willing to work with and not against they are. Yeah, that is so often the I case with uh, often family members. That's all I yeah. want to say. Okay, thank you so much, Irene. Yeah, that's often the case with uh, stereotypes and prejudice. You know, they're they're uh, adopted from afar, and then you meet folks, and you realize, uh, well, maybe maybe I was wrong. Michael Lachlan, uh, the Jesuits uh, are, are among sort of the the uh, sort of particular brand of Catholicism. Uh, Pope Francis is from that part of the church. Uh, describe, if you would, for those who may not be as familiar with the church, what it means and and what role the Jesuits play in this kind of momentum that Pope. Francis is trying to accelerate. Yeah, uh, I I work for the Jesuits, so I would probably yes. only say uh, <laughs> laudatory things. But yeah, Pope Francis is a Jesuit. Uh, I think in in the United States, Jesuits is, are seen as a more uh, progressive uh, religious order within the church, uh, willing to experiment pastorally, um, trying to reach out to marginalized groups. Uh, in the U.S., there's probably no more prominent um priest doing LGBT ministry than Father James Martin, uh, who has been calling for many years now for the church to be more welcoming to the LGBT Catholic community. Uh, so I, I think the Jesuit connection uh, is important here. It, it, the Pope comes from a tradition that has worked on the margins, that's been willing to call for the church to live up to its gospel values. So there is that important distinction. And the Jesuits also place a, a high priority in education. They run universities like uh, like Georgetown, Boston College, Santa Clara University, uh, where there's this sort of intellectual Catholicism that looks at how to apply this uh, ancient tradition to modern life. And I think that's what the Pope's doing here. He's saying, let's take our tradition and see how we can apply it to the concrete reality of people's lives. And this is sort of a little bit of uh, pastoral experimentation, I think, to see where this goes. Uh, here's some other listener comments. Uh, Michael writes, it's about time. We've got another comment who says, uh, uh, glad to hear of this small step. I'm an 80-year-old practicing Catholic my whole life. I've refused to attend Mass or contribute to Catholic causes in the Archdiocese of San Francisco or Diocese of Oakland since Cordelione's Statement barring Nancy Pelosi from Holy Communion, Pope Francis made it obvious that he does not agree with their actions. I so wish they would be removed. In fact, Pope Francis uh, uh, had a, a private audience with uh, Nancy Pelosi, kind of sending a signal, I think, Harriet Ryan, to that element uh, or to that faction of the church that you've, you've been writing about. That's right. He said very strongly, I have never denied communion to anyone. Um, and the, you know, the Republican Catholics, uh, very right-wing ones, 
want both Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi to be denied communion because of their full-throated support for abortion rights. Um, Joe Biden went to the Vatican two years ago, I believe, and he had a really long uh, meeting with the Pope. I think it was more than an hour, which is kind of unusual for a politician. And when he came out, he said, you know, the Pope told me that I'm a good Catholic and that I should continue receiving communion. <laughs> that was a real, um, it was a real rebuke to uh, people in the hierarchy in the U.S., as well as just conservative lay people who said, like, he should be denied the Eucharist. It almost seems, you know, you, these these archbishops and others who get in, so involved in politics, I mean, judging uh, the Speaker of the House and refusing to give uh, John Kerry, for example, Senator, when he was Senator, I think maybe even Secretary of State, communion. Um is that just I don't how unusual is that, do you think, uh, in terms of organized religion for you know members uh, leadership in a church or whatever religion it might be to to be so political? I mean, we have this problem throughout, I don't know if it's a problem, but it's a phenomenon in the United States right now, the political polarization. there's a, a really um interesting book written by Tim Alberta about what the political polarization has done to the evangelical Christian church. Um, and I think it's been more pronounced there uh, in among evangelicals. But yes, um, the, the story that we published this week shows how um, the right fringe of the Catholic church, how it's playing out there uh, as well. Um, and I think every element of our lives as Americans seems to have been um, politicized. And I, I mean, it's like, there is the red state and blue state perspective on any issue you could think of. And uh, unfortunately, that has come to include religion. Give us a call if you want to join the conversation, 866-733-6786. Let's go now to Southern California. And Mary, you're next. Welcome. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I was raised Catholic, and I would say a fairly... Uh, strict Catholic family, 10 children. Uh, my dad became a deacon in the church later in his um, adult life, and he had a pretty open mind about the church. My concern and my uh, somewhat beef about this conversation is earlier when your forum member was using the term devout to describe Tim Bush, uh, I think that kind of gives a qualitative and quantitative feel to this person that uh, practices his Catholic faith. Hmm. Interesting. I know there's a lot of I know there's a lot of Christian and or Catholic people who are not very Christian. Yeah. And I the other comment just briefly is I think it's about time. I applaud Pope Francis. I do believe the uh, the uh, Jesuits are a wonderful faction of the Catholic faith, and uh, thank you for taking my call. Yeah, Mary, thank you so much. It does. Uh, Mary raises an interesting question, uh, Harriet. Uh, the description of Tim Bush and some of the other very conservative members of the church as being devout. I mean, what does that mean, and uh, what does it mean to be pro life, for that matter? I think you know we're seeing some politicians, including. Gavin Newsom turning that around and talking about the death penalty and gun violence and uh, even COVID. Um, you know, what are, what are your thoughts about that? How uh, does the, this idea of who is a good Catholic and who is not? No, it's really interesting. Um, a theologian I interviewed said, you know, when um, the Tim Bush types think about the average Catholic, they think about someone driving around suburban California in their SUV. And when Pope Francis imagines Afri 
the average Catholic, it is a unmarried mother in a favela in Latin America or Africa. Um, and so I, I think that, I mean, it's a really good question. I, I think one thing that the the church has to grapple with is that I believe only 22% of its membership attends mass on a weekly basis. Um, so the, and that the, the lapsed Catholics are becoming like the biggest religion um, in America, the fastest growing religion in America. So I, I think that, you know, the people that show up at mass and give the money, they have been defining what it means to be a good Catholic to some degree in, in the U.S. And I take the caller's point that like, you know, the, the call is to love your neighbor as yourself. And that is like the most devout Catholic. You're listening to Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer in for Mina Kim. And let's go back to the phones now. And we go to Oakland. Steve, you're next. Welcome. Hi. Yeah, I'm wondering if this is really a step forward, because it seems like the Pope was saying, we'll give you a blessing if you intend to change. And, you know, uh, homosexual acts are still, you know, uh, against the rules. Michael O'Loughlin, um, we talked a little bit earlier with Phil uh, Pulella about this, but do, do you think that the Pope would like to go further than this, and this is basically what he thinks he can get right now, and that perhaps more change will come down the road? I think it's possible that the Pope does want to go further and that this is a way to sort of experiment to see what the reaction is, how it plays out, uh, look at the results in a few years, and maybe discern what's next. Uh, I, I do want to clarify, though, I don't think that what this is saying is that a blessing is available just for the purposes of someone changing. I think that's sort of what the the controversy or the celebration, depending on your point of view, is about. This is an opportunity for priests to pray with a same-sex couple uh, without, I think, getting into that question of uh, changing their lifestyle or, or something like that, that more conservative elements of the church would normally preach. So I think that uh, there's a big effort right now as we speak for different factions in the church to spin this news, to say like, what is actually happening? Is this something new? Is this the Pope reaffirming church teaching on marriage? Uh, while we were speaking, the Knapp Institute sent out a long reflection from a bishop saying that this is actually not something new, that this is a call to conversion, whereas uh, some other bishops are saying, no, this is a welcome development. The Vatican itself said this is something new, uh, an opportunity to pray with same-sex couples. So I think that the, the challenge now going forward, depending on where you fall in the church, whether you want to support the Pope's uh, mission for an inclusive church, is to try to get people to understand this in a way that you think it should be understood. Uh, but I think it's pretty clear that something new is happening here and that it is a big uh, advancement for LGBT Catholics. I'm wondering what you think of the implementation of this. I mean, a lot of these blessings, I'm guessing, will, will occur in private. Um, no one's going to be enforcing a dress code if somebody wants to wear a tuxedo or a dress or look like they're getting married. Uh, I mean, who's to say? Who am I to judge, to uh, quote a pope? Yeah, I, I think what what we're seeing is the church kind of catching up with reality. Priests were already doing these kinds of blessings. It would have been illicit, but they were still doing them. And I think the implementation will vary greatly. I imagine that some priests will uh, push the envelope as far as they can, and I can envision blessings taking place uh, in conjunction with uh, civil marriage ceremonies. Other priests, I think, will want that discretion that they're asked to, to use anyway and offer blessings uh, kind of in a spontaneous manner. So somewhere that's very clearly not a wedding ceremony. But I think that's sort of the point. I think that this document gives a degree of flexibility that is going to allow priests to uh, 
perform these blessings in different ways, and then perhaps uh, the church can consider going forward, like, what's working, what's not working? Does it uh, seem to undermine the church's teaching on marriage, or is it supporting community that wants these blessings? Uh, but I, I think what's important is uh, when it comes to, we were talking about devout Catholics earlier, uh, LGBT Catholics who have chosen to remain part of the church um, in spite of the church's uh, pretty homophobic language or traditional teaching, uh, they tend to be very devout. And I think this is meaningful for them, regardless of whether it looks like a marriage ceremony or it takes place uh, somewhere away from a church. So I think the flexibility is part of the point and going forward, we'll see like how the church um, interprets these different uh ways of performing these blessings. All right, Steve, thanks very much for that. Julia writes, after the Episcopal Church's decision to offer blessings in marriage for same-sex couples, there's been great harmony between liberal and conservative bodies rooted in Bible study and prayer. When we prioritize common prayer, a lot of exclusivist intentions seem to fall by the wayside. And Barbara says, I'm so sad to see the church regressing with people like Tom Bush. I remember when the Pope in the 80s blessed AIDS patients. Um, Harriet, uh, we have just a minute or so left here, but uh, I'm wondering, you know, how do you see this fitting in with the Pope's overall legacy? And is this the kind of change that could easily be reversed? And I'll, I'll ask Mike, Michael Lachlan to respond to that first. But you but, but first, Harriet, you go. No, I think Pope Francis wants to talk about what the church is for, not what it's against. Mm. And he, he said, you know, essentially that people look at sexual sins with a microscope and the way they treat, you know, workers, um, the way the the criminal justice system, there's no examination of what people are doing there. And that really troubles him. And I think he's trying to say, like, the church is has like a big mission. It's not a anti-gay cult. And then quickly, Michael Lachlan, your thoughts. Is this a lasting change or kind of fragile? I think it's kind of fragile. I think the Pope is looking uh, forward uh to what the his legacy will be. He wants to uh, concretize these uh, welcoming gestures, and this is a way for him to try to do that. But going forward, I don't know. We'll see how the, how the reaction is. So far, it's been pretty mixed. Um, but I know that LGBT Catholics were hoping that this is a uh, permanent change. All right. Michael O'Loughlin, national correspondent and associate editor for America, the Jesuit Review, and Harriet Ryan, investigative reporter for the Los Angeles Times. Thank you both very much for joining us this hour. Thanks for having us. And Thank you. Thanks to Phil Pulella earlier from uh, Rome as well. You've been listening to Forum. Thanks to all my guests and to our listeners for your thoughtful comments and calls. I'm Scott Schaefer in for Mina Kim. You've been listening to Forum. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com.
We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.